things are going to be. But of course, he has a father. And that father is saying, nope, you're going to listen. And so just continue to pray for us as we try to work with him. And it's, again, it's a funny concept when you have five girls and God throws a wrench in your path and says, here's a boy. And it's kind of always exciting. But uh, uh, today, again, we've talked about, uh, last week we talked about uh, the curse of bitterness and finding love in your life. And this week is no different. Uh, turn your Bibles to Psalms chapter 1, verse 103, verse 1. The benefits of love. Uh, some of you work a job and you receive a benefit every week. You know what? I am so sorry. I was going to get you my notes. And Sister Andrea asked me for it last week, and I forgot. So, Chloe, could you do me a favor? I'm printing them off right now. Could you go ahead and pick those up off the printer and give them to Sister uh, Lene, or Nadia? All right. Hopefully it's contacting printer. Chloe, if you cannot, try to use my computer. Here's my computer, and here's my mouse. You Okay. Okay, we still would like to have you that. That's probably something I should get in the habit of doing. Try to see if it's printed off. If not, use my computer and mouse to get into it. All right. Um, I found that every Christian uh, that comes to a relationship with God, they receive a benefit. And uh, the verse that we're going to take today is in Psalms 103, verse 2. And it says, Bless the Lord... Oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Let's start with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I ask that you just please be with this message. Lord, I know that uh, we're weary. We're tired. Lord, we've had a long week, and the world has beat down upon us, and Satan has tried to defeat us. But, Lord, with you, we are not defeated. I ask you, Heavenly Father, Lord, that you just please speak to hearts. Lord, keep people awake. Uh, keep them alert. Help them to hear what is preached. And Lord, may the word of God convict. In Jesus' name, amen. This is not your average uh, run-of-the-mill preaching on sin sermon. Uh, there is some things that are convicting. But I would say this much, that this is one of the things I hope uplifts you today. The benefits of love that God gives us. Uh, most people here, they've worked their entire lives. Uh, or you're currently working right now and you have a responsibility to go to work and they give you a paycheck at the end of the week and they have this thing you have a job with say it with me benefits let's do it again job with benefits all right what does that mean well that means you might have health care uh you might have dental uh you might have a 401k uh and all these other things now i've seen some of these crazy just recently i've seen some of these tech giants that they have some pretty crazy things for benefits you go into google and they have a, a, a yoga facility there for you and they have free lunch and uh, of course we don't drink alcohol but they'll have free beer for all the employees and they'll have a free cafe there for you to get coffee and it's interesting as i look at this idea of benefits from the lord listen we have a great set of benefits and this this chapter here in 103 deals with this idea of the benefits that we receive from the lord in verse one it says a psalm of david bless the lord O my soul and all that is in with within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget not all of his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities who healeth all thy diseases who redeemeth thy life from destruction who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies 
Who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles? And these verses deal with each one of those benefits. Now, again, as I mentioned before, this month is the month of the world calls the month of love, right? Valentine's Day, they get the hearts out. Uh, I truly believe it really is a holiday that was made by Hallmark. And they brought their cards out, and it's just another way for them to sell more cards. Uh, but the truth be told, I'm a huge believer in love, just not in Valentine's Day. Uh, love is a real thing. Love should be a part of our lives. And every person here, if you know Christ as your Savior, you should have some type of feeling of love in your life. I think about the very essence of love. And yeah, this, uh, yesterday we preached on, I preached a little bit on true love, what true love is. You can't have true love unless you have Christ. Because Christ is the author of love. Uh, we can't say that we can be able to love someone else, else without Christ. Because Christ is the author of love. Many people try. I mean, the world today, they have their essence of what they call love. They have immorality. They have impurity. They have the idea of covetousness. Uh, they covet another man's wife. Or they covet uh, through pornography or things of that nature. And listen, that is not love. Love only comes from one thing, and that is a true belief in Christ. The Bible says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down the life for, for his friends. I can't say that I honestly would be able to give my life for anyone unless I've been put in that situation. I heard someone say this phrase the other day I thought was pretty true. You don't really know someone until they've been tried. And uh, the truth is, is boy, I, I can't imagine if one of my children were uh, put in harm's way and the only way that we could save them was through me coming in and taking a bullet for them, I would do it. My wife, too, I would, I would probably say that I would do it. But dare say if it was a complete stranger, how many people would stand up and say, I'll take my life for his or hers. Jesus Christ did that for everyone. Jesus Christ knew that he was coming to a judgment where he would be put on the cross. He knew that he would die an agonizing death. He knew that he would be putting that crown of thorns on his head. But he loved you so much that he still died for you. What a great thing is that. I can't imagine the thoughts that went through his head. We talked a little bit about the obedience that Christ did as he went to the cross. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, as he prayed in agony, he says, Not my will, but thine be done. Christ knew what he was going to go through, yet he still loved us. What a great example Christ brings to us. We often think of Christ's love as this mystical being just floating around in the atmosphere. But Christ's love is centered around action towards us. Did you know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life? You all know that verse. But really, to be honest with you, many people struggle with the idea that God loves them. God loves you. He really does. It's a great benefit of being a Christian. God loved the world. Even if you're unsaved in here right now, God's desire is that you come to know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Did you know that he loved you before you were even born? Did you know that he, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he loved you? Jeremiah tells us that. 
And I tell you, every time that I look at what Christ has done for me and the things that he's doing for me, I have to say that he loves me. What if someone in your life loves you? I see Olivia down there. Do you love your daughter, Brother Tony? <laughs> Don't be so half-hearted. No, I'm just kidding. He loves his daughter. Ruby, you love your kids? You do, don't you? And every parent would, I would hopefully say that. Now, there are some parents that are wicked enough that would do awful things to their children. But I'd say most parents would love their children. And how do they prove that love for their child? Well, they do things for them, don't they? They sacrifice. Most kids don't even know the sacrifice that their parents put, are put through because they love them. My daddy and my mommy, they put me through Christian school. And I'm thankful for that. Through Christian school, I found some great things. They paid lots of money for me to go. They took care of my needs. There were times where they went without so that I could have something. And I say, praise God, they had love for me. It wasn't so much the, the fact that they said they loved me. It was the fact that they showed me that they loved me. And when you look at Christ and you look at his love, you can honestly say that God loves you. He loves you even before you were born. He loves you right now. The Bible says that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commended his love toward us and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you look at your life, can you say, wow, I know God loves me. I know God wants to take care of me. But what does that really mean? Many people will show you the action. They Not only do they say they love you, but they will think of you. Me and Cassie were dating. I remember I would get, I bought her her first flip phone. I know, I was a tech savvy guy at that time. Bought her first flip phone, AT&T. And actually it was singular, I think, at the time. Bought the first flip phone. And boy, we would spend time thinking of each other and calling each other. We would spend time thinking of how we could be together. If I didn't love Cassie, I would not want to spend time with her. And same is with any of your spouses. If you don't love your husband, you don't love your wife, guess what? You're not going to want to spend time with them. What else does someone that shows they love you, they don't just think of you and consider of you, they also look out for you. One of the things that a husband and a father's responsibility is, is to protect and to what? Provide. I would say, if I am not the provider that I should be, I better get my body in gear to be that provider. Now, don't get me wrong. Some fathers, uh, they, through accidents or through sickness, they can't. But my goal, and first and foremost goal, is I love my children. And because I love my children, I provide for them and I also protect them. I love them so much, I would not want harm to come in their way. I keep very close tabs on them. There's been a few times when my children were smaller that they scared me. I remember one time, my... Uh, Actually, both of my daughters did something stupid when it came to the swimming pool. I remember we went to a Holiday Inn. Uh, actually, it wasn't a Holiday Inn. What was it? It was a Best Western. And both times at the swimming pool, my children scared me half to death. 
Brooklyn, and she was about three years old, thought that she'd be smart and dive into the deep end of a swimming pool. I remember jumping in with all clothes on to get her out because she was so, um, well, I don't know. She's just Brooklyn, okay? Uh, my, my other daughter, Callie, she's not in here. Uh, she did one of these numbers. She was only about two years old, and she was in the kiddie pool at the same place, and she just went, and she could not get her feet underneath of her. I was standing right here. And I remember my wife walking over to me and pushing me out of the way and grabbing Callie because she literally was drowning in one feet, one foot of water. I didn't even see it. But you know what? I felt so awful inside because I knew my job is to protect her. I just heard the other day, listen, folks, be careful out there. Careful with your kids. There's a lot of perverts. Over here on 55th in Nashville, there was an abduction and kidnapping. Listen to me. There's a lot of them out there. I'm very careful with my children. When we go, we leave this church, one of the things, or when we're at this church, I lock those doors. Why? I don't want anybody coming in here that shouldn't be here. Uh, when we're all alone here in this church, I'm very careful with my children. I put cameras. People might say I'm a little bit overprotective, but I put cameras all up through my house. Why? Because I'm protective of my children. I want to make sure that they're safe. And listen, I do that because I love them. What else does someone do that shows their love? They have mercy on you or they're compassionate. I know my wife loves me. You know why? When I'm sick, she treats me like a big baby. She takes care of me and she, she fixes me things and brings me tissues. And you know my wife, she's, she's a pretty hardcore person. Uh, she can go through a sickness and get up the next day and she's fine. I'm a big baby. I'm probably sick for the next two days after I get something like she has. And I'm thankful for that. She's compassionate on me. She has mercy on me. And I think the fourth thing that people do that love you is they spend time with you. Every person here knows that feeling when someone just can't get enough of you. Now, I'll tell you this much. Maybe the love is not reciprocal. Maybe you wish that they just get away from you. Uh, leave me alone, for goodness sakes. My, my daughter Chloe's like that. She's very much a... Uh, a non-touchy-feely uh, person. And uh, the way that I show her my love is just don't hang out with her because then she feels better. Uh, I just kind of, okay, how you doing, Chloe? Good. I love you. She says, I love you. And we just have our day. Uh, but uh, I, I say that in all jest. She is a sweet girl. But listen, if you literally love someone, you're going to have a devotion to them. You're going to want to spend time with them. So we find these things that someone that loves you would do. Can you say that Christ does all those things for you? Can you? Is Christ considerate? Is Christ protecting you? Is Christ compassionate? Do you have devotion? Does he devote his life for you? He sure does. What a great example of love. I can say that there is a lot of things that Christians don't understand about the benefits of Christ's love. But there's one thing you should know. And that is the fact that God came just for you. If it was just you, Sam, Christ would have died for you. If it was just you, Diana, Christ would have died for you. He loves you that much. You say, we talk about the idea of the whole world, that Jesus Christ, well, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He talks about the world, but really, the world is just you to him. And you, and you, and you. He doesn't think of it, the world collectively.
collectively. He thinks of the individual. Today we have a society that's bent on collecting everyone. Making everybody be the same. Listen, God created you in an individual way. He looks at your individuality and he is blessed by it. He wants to save you. He wants to reach you. He wants to bring you to Christ. He loves you. So how do we know Christ loves? We know, because of Psalms chapter 1, 103, verse 3, he says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy, I'm sorry, healeth all thy diseases. Let's start off by the idea of forgiving all your iniquities. Verse 3 is what says that. Listen, forgiveness should not be taken lightly. I read or watched a docu, called a docudrama, on by a guy by the name of Jim Bridger. Uh, if you've never heard of Jim Bridger, uh, it's because he was an American frontiersman. He came around the time of the 1800s, 1825, and he started to go west. So west was basically the end of the west was around this area, okay? Uh, we think about the west, we think about color, or we think about uh, uh, Arizona, and we think about California, and we think about Washington State. Well, at that time, the west was Illinois. Anything past Illinois and, and Kentucky was the West. And so Jim Bridger was one of those men that loved to explore. And he would go in the 1830s with uh, French trappers. And he would go out far West. And he would go, and I can't imagine what it would be like when they would come. And I was, as I was watching this docu-series, it was talking about the idea that they would come across these places that we today know as tourist traps. They would come across Old Faithful. They'd come across, uh, they call it the... Uh, uh, the devil's pit where uh, the, the water boils up from the ground and the mud boils up from the ground. They would come across these places completely untouched by human, human hands. And they would literally come across it and just be amazed. They would be so amazed as they would see these things. And Boy, these frontiersmen, they saw nature firsthand untouched. That would be an amazing thing. Jim Bridger was one of those guys. Now, Jim Bridger was a young man when he went out west and decided to go out to the early American frontier to explore. And as they were looking for no, more places to go trap uh, uh, beaver and beaver pelts, they came across a, uh, one of their friends, Hugh Glass. And Hugh Glass was a, uh, a, a rough and uh, uh, older frontierman. He was one of those guys that you always wanted on your side because you know why? He would be the one that would protect you. He'd be the one to know what to do when things go down. He wasn't the guy that was an unlevel-headed. He knew everything, and he was ready to help you at any moment. And Jim Bridger at that time became close friends with Hugh Glass. And Hugh Glass and him would be uh, close, and they would go out hunting together as a group. One day, Hugh Glass being uh, who he was, a very uh, old codger who thought he knew everything, went out and went hunting by himself. Well, he came across the bear. And the bear, he climbed up the tree, and the bear literally pulled him out, and, and he literally was about ready to die, and they chased the bear away. Of course, at that time, they were on the uh, flee from Indians. They were about ready to be killed by Indians, and so they were fleeing on foot and trying to get as much space in between those Indians and them. They could not travel very fast with Hugh Glass being sick and being in the state he was in. And so what they did is they uh, took a, a, a collection and every man took a dollar. Now this doesn't sound a lot, but he took a gold dollar out of his pocket and they put it in a collection. And the, the guys that stayed there with Hugh Glass and 
buried him when he died would take that money and would be theirs. Again, they didn't believe in leaving anybody else to die by the varmints that were out there and by the people that would do it. And so the Indians would even take your scalp at that time if they would have found Hugh Glass. Jim Bridger and a guy by the name of, I think it was Schultz, they decided that they had had enough. They saw the Indians not too far, the, uh, the Blackfeet, not too far from them, and they were afraid that if those Blackfeet uh, or Black Crow Indians were to come and, and capture them, they would be killed. And so Jim Bridger, with all reluctance, knew that if he didn't leave, there's a possibility not only would Hugh Class die, but his, friend, his uh, co-worker Schultz and Jim Bridger himself would die as well. And so he decided with all things he could, he gave him a rifle and he, he left him with some, some type of food. But again, Hugh Glass had just been attacked by a bear. He could not take care of himself. He went back to camp and they lied to the group and said that they had buried Hugh Glass. Little did Jim Bridger know that Hugh Glass had a tough spirit. And even though he was dying of these injuries... He didn't give up. He literally got up on his feet with all the energy he could muster. And through some help of some friendly Indians, he was able to heal and get better. Can you imagine as Jim Bridger was in camp and Hugh Glass walked into the camp and saw Jim Bridger? Can you imagine the confrontation? You left me to die! Can you imagine what Jim Bridger felt? The historian that was writing the piece said that Jim Bridger many times would reflect on this idea and would feel guilty about it. Jim Bridger, when he saw Hugh Glass, was in shock and disbelief at first. and He didn't know what to say, but he just admitted what he had done. Yeah, I left you to die, and I'm sorry. He was broken. You could see the tears running down his cheeks, and he could see the situation that he was in. And Hugh Glass, even though he was a hardened trapper, even though he was a man that uh, was, had an idea of hate and justice in his heart, he wanted nothing to do with that, but God put upon his heart to forgive Jim Bridger. It's interesting, even though Jim Bridger was forgiven, and even though uh, there was no type of consequence from what he had done, it changed Jim Bridger for the rest of his life. Made him become the historical figure that he is today. Jim Bridger was said to be one of the kindest frontiersmen after that incident. It changed him for life. And listen, Christian, Jesus Christ, when he forgives us, he forgives us and it becomes a life-changing event. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you look at Christ and you realize who he is, and you realize that he has forgiven you, it changes you. Many people are too content to say, well, I'm not that bad of a person. And even if they have come to Christ and they have received him as a savior, they don't look as their sin is that bad. They're not broken. They're not repentant. Instead, they're looking at their sin. Well, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as someone else. Listen, no matter what your sin, you've committed it against God. You've committed against a holy God, a perfect God, a God who does not deserve anything but worship and praise. But yet you've committed sin against him. 
Wow. And yet he has chosen to forgive you? What a powerful statement that is to us. Even in the model prayer that Jesus Christ gave, some of you could quote it by heart. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Right? What is one part of that prayer? Help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. Why? Because Jesus Christ forgave you. What a great benefit we have through the love of Christ. Can you honestly say that you look at that benefit differently? It's your Savior today and you know Christ is your Savior. Listen to me. It should be something you rejoice about. You should be thanking God as you get in the time of prayer in the morning and say, God, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me from my sin. Secondly, not only do we find that he forgives us of our iniquity, but we find in verse 3 as well, he heals us of our diseases. Now, I'm, I'm going to be the first to say I am not a faith healer. I'm not Benny Hinn, okay? I'm not going to have Tony. Tony's got a little tooth problem here. I'm not going to say, be healed, right? Tony goes back, oh, my tooth is great, Pastor. Thank you. That's not going to happen. Sam likes that idea. You're going to be like Todd White when you do the snake sales oil and show showmanship right here, right? Uh, get the legs to get just the same size, amen? He showed me that deal. That's what I'm saying. But you know what? Jesus Christ does heal us of our diseases. The Bible says he is the great physician, isn't he? Now, God sometimes chooses not to heal. But he is the only one that can heal. You say, Pastor, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I've been to the doctor and he's done a great job. Who gave him that wisdom? Who gave him that understanding? You say, Pastor, oh, I don't believe you. Jesus Christ, yeah, he's God, he's God Almighty, but he's left here on this earth to kind of do our own thing. And boy, we can come up with our own wisdom and our own understanding. No, the Bible says where the fear of the Lord is, there is wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom, sorry. Christian, listen to me. If you look at Christ and you look at what he does, he does heal you of your disease. One of the biggest diseases he heals you from is your sin. Your sin sickness. Not only does he heal us from our diseases, but diseases, but we also find here number three. He rescues you from the miry clay and your own stupidity. We see in verse four it says, "Who redeemeth my thy life from destruction?" Boy, I tell you what, if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, I don't know where I'd be. I definitely would not be in this pulpit today. I know what I was as a young person. I know my filthy mouth. I know my lustful thoughts. I know my attitude. And listen to you. Listen to me. Some of you in here have the same problems. Jesus Christ wants to save you from that destruction. You keep going down that path. Listen to me. If you have a problem with alcohol, it could lead to a path of alcoholism. Where you're constantly... Uh, drinking alcohol, or maybe it's drugs, or maybe it's pornography, and it might even leave your wife someday because of it. Listen to me. I don't know what your sin problem is today, but Jesus Christ wants to save you from it because he loves you. The benefit of his love is that he redeems your life from destruction. As you've read in the Pilgrim's Progress the pilgrim knew where he was headed. He was heading to the celestial city. He didn't look back at that old place, that crummy old town that he came from. He was excited to go forward. And listen to me. God wants to save you from the uttermost. God wants to change you. He wants to make you a creature like him. 
You say, how is that? Because in the eyes of God, when Jesus Christ is finished with you, you are perfect in the eyes of God. He looks down and no longer sees Tony's sins, but he sees the blood of Jesus Christ over his sins. And all he sees is Christ Jesus our Lord. He saves you from that destruction. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Does he save me from my stupidity? Well, listen to me. We are what? Sinners. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every from their, from their own way. And the Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Listen to me. We are like sheep that have gone astray. The Bible says, there is none good, no, not one. Can you honestly say with me that your righteousness is good enough? That you're able to be able to come before a holy and a perfect God and say that I am good enough to go into heaven? I can't. I love the story of Paul and how Paul, boy, he was a righteous, quote, quote unquote, righteous man. The Bible says that he, he was taught by the most prestigious religious leader that time. Gal, uh, uh, I'm going to say that wrong. Galileo. Gamaliel, thank you. He was taught by him. He was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had everything that you could call out. And boy, he was circumcised. And boy, he, if you're going to look at someone that says, wow, that guy has got it going on. Boy, he knows what right, is right with God. You would say that about Paul. But what did Paul say? He said that his righteousness was like dumb. Now, I don't know about you, but... When I look at my life, I was talking to Pastor Ellis yesterday, and boy, a lot of us things he was saying, I'd say that I'm on the same page. Again, I appreciate you folks. I make mistakes all the time, and I'm, I'm a man. I'm going to fail you. What I'm thankful for is that you folks keep coming back and keep being faithful to the Lord. Keep doing what God wants you to do. You don't look to me as the author and finish of your faith. You look to Christ. As I think about this idea that Christ has done and he has rescued me from the miry clay and he has saved me from my uh, uh, stupidity. I think of Psalms chapter 40 in verse 2. The Bible says he brought me also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. When we were in Israel, there were many paths that you could take. And I was thankful for the tour guide, Mark Sugarman. He would, he would take us down these paths. And one of his rules was, don't get in front of the guide. I remember he was almost rude to the people that would do it. He would be walking in front of him. He'd be like, excuse me. Excuse me. I am the guide here. Get behind me. He was almost blunt. So I thought it was kind of funny, but it's such a great illustration. Listen to me. We have a guy. As the Bible says here, he establishes your what? Your goings. Man, you think about this for a second. Isn't that great that to know that there's someone there to show us where to go? I mean, there was times where we'd go down some paths that I didn't know where the path was. It looked kind of shady, and it looked kind of stony, and it looked, looked like a path to me, but he said it was. So guess what I did? I went down that path. They told a story of some uh, people that had gone before us. Some of the group had told the story. I won't mention names because you might know who he is. But him and a few other people had gone out there and they had gone off the path. 
And they had gone over to the place where David and Goliath had their battle. On one side, you could see the hills, and that's where they were close to. On the other side, you could see the hills. Well, one of them decided to hike up the hill. And when they got to the top, he decided, oh, I'll just run to the bottom. Well, you know how it gets when you start running too fast down a hill. Your feet get faster than your brain thinks, and you start doing one of these numbers. And no longer do you become a running person, you become a rolling person. And that's exactly what happened to him. He had to get, I think it was 12 or 13 stitches in his head. All because he thought he knew better than the poor guy. And listen, I, I equate that to understand that Jesus Christ has saved me. And when I try to lean on my own understandings, as the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, In all my ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I realize one of the benefits of Christ's love is the fact that he directs me. Does Jesus Christ direct you? Maybe you're saved here today and your life has been full of your direction and also full of your regrets. Maybe you're here and you don't know Christ and there's no direction. Listen, Christ wants to give you that benefit of his love, his direction. You are on a path of destruction before Christ. You're also on a path of destruction without Christ. But he will give you that sure footing that will secure you in Christ. The third thing, or the fourth thing that I find in this passage in Psalms 103 verse 4 is the second part. Who redeems my life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. I think of the idea of loving kindness. It's a consistent type of love. You ever fall out with someone? Well, I tell you what, it's no fun when you get in a situation where someone hates you or dislikes you or is not friends with you anymore. It doesn't make you feel good. Someone might, maybe it's something you did or something that other person did, and so there's this offense. But you know, even though You've offended God. He still loves you and consistently loves you. Today we have a society that falls out of love with each other. I'm thankful that my Lord Jesus Christ doesn't fall out of love with me. The benefit of God's love is his loving kindness and his mercy. What do you deserve? Do you deserve like I deserve, which is hell? Do you deserve and the most unimaginable punishment ever known to man. I do. It makes me realize that even when things go wrong, it's all on me. It's better than I could ever get. I'm thankful for it. <laughs> Number five, we find the verse five. In verse five, it says, Who satisfies my mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle's. I'm going to give you this phrase, and you guys can all say it with me. God is, oh my goodness, come on, let's try this again. God is good. You know that phrase. Someone said, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good, right? Do we really believe that? Every good gift and every perfect gift come from above, or from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, no shadow. 
What a great promise. I love the verse in Luke chapter 11, verse 10. It says, For everyone that asks receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto him. Open. And if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If he ask an egg, boy, I'll tell you what, that's going to be expensive. If you ask an egg, you're going to give him a scorpion? For if ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Listen, God is a perfect God, a loving God, and one of the benefits of his loving is he satisfies you with good things. As it says here, who satisfies thy mouth with good things. Boy, sister Juanita brought some uh, Oreo, chocolate-covered Oreos. Boy, those are good. My sister was Nadia. She's back there. She brought, man, you just can't go wrong with enchiladas. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but it's delicious. And I even had some. I took some home last night. Ate it at night, too. I'll probably eat it all week. It's so good. Listen, God says he's what? Going to satisfy your mouth with good things. Things that you take in. Listen, if you want to take in the garbage of this world, go right ahead. If you want to take in uh, all the things that the world has to offer, go right ahead. But it's not going to satisfy you. I think about a special diet. And when you eat something that's not good, that's, you're going to be hungry soon later. You can fill yourself up with all kinds of things that's not for the belly. And guess what's going to happen? Your, your stomach's going to rumble. You're going to have problems. And listen, it's not going to be satisfying. But if you eat the good things, guess what? Everything seems a little bit more energ energized, right? You got a little more energy at the end of the day. A little more pep in your step. And listen, God wants to satisfy you with good things. we look to God and we ask him for good things, he is going to give it to you. So God gives goods, good that asks. God wants the best for you because he loves you. One of the great benefits of having a father's love is the fact that he wants to help you. My children might ask for things sometimes and it doesn't mean I'm going to grant it to them. If my children ask for a phone, I wouldn't give it to them. Why? I don't think it's good for them right now. If I gave, if they said, Dad, can I have unfettered access to the internet? I'd say no. Why? Because it's not good for them right now. If, I, if they says, Dad, I want to eat all the candy in the world. And I'd say no. Dad, can I have an unlimited supply of candy from the candy store? No. Why? Because I know what's best for them. And listen, sometimes we go to God and we expect things from God and God needs to answer this prayer. I told my wife the other day, I think this is important. I'm hoping that none of my kids become rich. You say, why do you say that, Pastor? Because the Bible talks about the corruption of money. And secondly, I want my children to trust God for things. I don't want them to be rich. I don't want to have it easy. I want them to have to struggle. Why? And you're a Christian and you love God. When you struggle, who do you turn to? You turn to Christ. You ask him for things. And what happens when he supplies your needs? 
Hallelujah! You get excited. You want to ask Him more. I want the same thing for my children. You say, Pastor, what kind of a weird request is that? That your kids don't become rich. I want my kids to love God more than anything else. Lastly, letter F. The fourth thing that I find about God and his benefits of love is the fact that he renews you so you can continue living for him. If you read the last verse of verse number five, it says, Who satisfied thy mouth with, thy thing, with good things, so thy youth is renewed like the eagles. We're getting old. Every day you live. Even you young people in here, you're getting older. Man, I tell you what, 37 years old, I had to put on these. Remember the first day we went to the Walgreens and I was trying to read, you know those watch batteries? You look on the back of them, you're getting one of these numbers. And I could not, it's 37, could not put it in a different light, still couldn't read it. Finally, I'm like, you know what? Maybe there's a problem with my eyes. I went and got one of those readers from the Walgreens department store and put them on. Oh, oh, I can't read it. Every day you get older and you know what? Things start to get worse. You know, your heels start hurting, your knees start hurting, right? Things don't taste the same. You can't drink so much caffeine like you used to and go to sleep at night. Boy, things start to change, don't they? Boy, we always talk, you've heard of this, the fountain of youth, right? But really, God is the one that restores your strength. Here's some verses. I want you to take these home. Before I go into that, I want you to tell you a word, a Hebrew word that you'll remember. Mark Sugarman was my guide. He would he'd go around and he'd, every time you'd get up on top of the mountain and you felt a wind or a breeze, he'd say, all my people say, Ruha! Now, not Bruha, okay? Sister Sabrina was like, Pastor, I'm a witch. No, 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 no. Ruha! Ruha means spirit, breeze, good feeling, good spirit. And listen, when you have Jesus Christ is a part of your life and he's going to love you. We know that one of the benefits of his love is that renewing through him. The renewing through his spirit. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 103 verse 5, who satisfies thy mouth with good things so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Psalms 51 verse 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit within me. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. Ephesians 4, 22 and 23, that if you put off the concerning the former lust of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oh man, I got her, got her awake. I'm sorry, mom. Got a little excited there. It's a good sign. That means some, someone's hearing me. Okay. But listen, Jesus Christ loves you. And one of the signs of his love is his renewing spirit for you. You cannot ever, ever do it yourself. You need to be renewed. You get up in the morning, you need to be renewed. You start your day at work and boy, those coworkers are already getting to you. You need to be renewed. Your children are already getting your last nerve. Amen, guess. And boy, you just want, you want to say, go to your room and don't come out for the rest of the day. You need to be renewed, right? You need your strength renewed. You need your mind renewed. 
You need your spirit renewed. Why? Because those are the very essences of a Christian's ability to walk according to what the Lord wants you to do. As I get up every morning, I realize that my day will start or start successfully or uh, start with failure according to how I start my day. If I don't get up in the morning, I don't spend time doing prayer. Sometimes I'll, I'll get up and be a little bit late and I'll spend time praying in the truck. I do believe every Christian needs to spend time asking the Lord for grace to get through their day. Because we're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. Do you do that? Are you looking for that renewal? Isaiah says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Listen, you can't do it on your own. You can try. You can ask uh, and try to do things your own way, and you're going to always fail. You're going to make mistakes. Listen, Christ wants you to change. Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I can't renew my mind because I still have the natural man that's constantly with no end in sight. Listen, God wants to change you. He wants to change your mind. He wants to change your heart. He wants you to make you a new creature. I'll tell you what, I found some of the unhappiest people are those that know what, to, know what to do good and doeth it not. They know that they should be faithful. They know that they have issues. They know they need to trust in the Lord. But instead of trusting the Lord, they become angry and bitter at the Lord. They don't trust Him. And when things don't go their way, although they claim Christ, they blame Christ. And that's sad. Have I been there? Yes. I know. Been there with them. I know what it's like. And it's funny, when I get back in the Word of God, I get back in prayer, I get back trusting the Lord. As the sweet psalmist of Israel said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. It is a joy. The fruits of the Spirit come back. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Boy, listen, friend. The benefits of Christ's love are endless. These are just a few. Remember, God loves you. He died for you. And he wants nothing more than to see you successfully walk the Christian walk. Because guess what? He loves you. He is your heavenly father. His goal is not to see you fail. He's not like the big kid that sits on the hill and he's got a magnifying, out, magnifying glass out and he's burning those ants. He's not an ogre. He loves you. He is your father if you're saved here today. Let's stand together. Cassie's going to play the invitation. If God spoke to your heart today again, I know this wasn't a message on repenting of sin and things of that nature, but it is an idea of the understanding of the love of God. If I were going to end this message and say this is what you should take from it, again, God speaks to you.